Just six minutes after takeoff from Addis Ababa on Sunday, an Ethiopian Airlines plane crashed, killing all 157 people on board. Within seconds of Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302 taking off, it was clear something was very wrong. As it became clear that the airplane, an American-made Boeing 737 MAX 8, was the same type of airplane involved in a recent similar crash in Indonesia, air travel regulators around the world took action. More than 40 countries quickly grounded Boeing 737 MAX airplanes. As we've been reporting, a number of countries and airlines ordered the Boeing 737 MAX 8 grounded following the crash. But the U.S. conspicuously did not. The Federal Aviation Administration, our country's regulatory body of all things air travel, insisted that it saw no systemic performance issues. And for a few days, the United States was resolute in its position that these planes should keep flying. That is, until Wednesday, when President Trump made an announcement. Uh, We're going to be issuing an emergency order of prohibition to ground all flights of the 737 MAX 8 and the 737 MAX 9. Trump told the world that the U.S. would now ground these planes in the interest of public safety as new evidence emerged from the investigation into Sunday's crash. An announcement about aviation safety delivered straight from the president, though, seemed unusual. Is a flight safety decision even the president's to make? And how do factors like global pressure and the heft of an American aircraft industry giant fit into that decision-making process? This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. I'm Allison Michaels. President Trump announced the decision to ground the 737 MAX 8 and 9 planes in the U.S. But who actually made the choice to do so on Wednesday? Where in our government are airline safety decisions supposed to be decided? The Federal Aviation Administration is supposed to be in charge of safety decisions. This is an independent agency that's involved in regulating air travel and making sure that it's as safe as possible. Tolu Olurunipa is a White House correspondent at The Washington Post. He spent this week reporting on how exactly this air safety decision played out. First, he explained to me how a major air safety decision in the U.S. usually happens. Uh, So that agency is supposed to make those decisions. Right now we have an acting head of that agency because President Trump has not gotten confirmed a full-time, fully confirmed uh, director of that agency. This is a process that is completely driven by the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, not the White House, not any other agency. Obviously, they can sort of give their say, but normally the FAA decides when to ground a plane, when to sanction uh, an airline, when to make decisions that impact safety for air travelers. Might the FAA talk to the president about this decision? Yeah, presidents are normally briefed by the FAA, especially, especially when there is a safety issue of public concern. They normally keep the president briefed. And so when the president, who normally speaks to the public about these types of issues, is fully informed about what's going on. But the president normally is not someone who gets involved in making these types of decisions in terms of sort of ground level decisions about whether to ground a plane or not. Does the fact that we don't have a permanent FAA administrator contribute to why the president was so involved in this decision making process? It's very curious that we you know, two years into the Trump administration and more than a year after the former FAA 
a director resigned and his term was completed, that there hasn't been sort of a fully confirmed uh, FAA director. And I do think that it is that is a sign of sort of the chaos of the Trump administration. There are a number of acting directors and a number of positions that have not been nominated, positions that have not been filled. And President Trump has said himself that he likes having acting directors in part because he said, I alone can fix it. And he likes to be very actively involved in lots of different parts of the government. And when it comes to airplanes, he does believe that he has a certain level of expertise as someone who owns his own plane, as someone who has run an airline company in the past, and someone who just sort of has a lifelong fascination with uh, air travel. So this is something that the president decided to take on. And I think the fact that there's not a fully confirmed FAA administrator is a a sign that President Trump wanted to play a, a, a leading role in this. Okay, so let's talk more about his leading role in this decision. Earlier this week, he seemingly supported the idea to keep the planes flying. But based on your reporting, was was he himself on board with keeping the planes in the air? There was a moment, the president sort of ended up on both sides of the issue. But early on in the process, he did tell advisor that he thought keeping the planes in the air was what he wanted to do because taking them down would have caused panic and maybe caused the stock market to drop. But then at at other points in the process over this three days, he said that he was inclined to actually bring the the planes down and to ground them because other countries were were doing this. So we did see the president sort of vacillate on this issue. And he was uh, on the phone with a lot of people. He was on the phone with Boeing CEO who did not want the planes to be grounded. And he was sort of speaking with him on a daily basis. So the president was taking a lot of information and it seemed like he was sort of going back and forth before he ultimately announced this decision to allow the planes to be grounded. And he was getting this information from all different places, not necessarily just from his FAA or his transportation department. Right. He was listening to officials in the government, officials outside the government. He said that he spoke to not only the Boeing CEO, but the leaders of American Airlines and other airlines who have a, obviously a financial stake in keeping these planes in the air. So it's clear that the president was very actively involved in listening to a, a number of different stakeholders. We also know that he was watching a lot of television at this time, watching you know Fox News and tweeting about a number of different issues. And he publicly tweeted about planes becoming too complex. And he said that he believed that planes needed to just sort of take the old fashioned route and not have as much technology. Yes, older and simpler, I think, were words of his choice. So so you say he spoke to the Boeing CEO. Is that standard for a president to speak to the CEO of a company who's involved in this airplane situation? It's a little odd. It wouldn't be completely out of the ordinary if there was just sort of an exchange of information. But What we understand from this conversation was that the Boeing CEO was trying to sort of lobby the president not to move forward with this decision. And that is, speaking to experts, something that's definitely out of the ordinary. The president should not be sort of a a leading player in that decision-making process. The president should obviously know what's going on, and he's free to speak to stakeholders about public relations, about how to talk about this publicly, and about knowing what the latest and knowing what companies are doing to manage crises. But in terms of making a safety decision, it is out of the ordinary for the president to be lobbied by a company CEO to not move forward with a safety decision that should be in the hands of the FAA. But the idea that they were lobbying against this decision was uh, something that definitely took a lot of industry watchers by, by surprise. Now, part of that might take some industry watchers by surprise because it's encapsulated in the larger context of the Boeing and Trump specific relationship. Can you tell me about what what that relationship looked like before this incident? 
Yeah, it's a very close relationship. President Trump and Boeing have been sort of walked in lockstep throughout the president's administration, even before the president took office. The president started off by sort of haranguing Boeing about the cost of the Air Force One contract. And the Boeing CEO went to Mar-a-Lago and went to visit Trump, uh, President Trump in uh, Trump Tower to sort of start negotiating about Air Force One. And since then, it's been a very close relationship. And this is a White House that you have to remember has uh, very fraught relationships with with uh, corporate America and with, with businesses, not only because of some of its policies, but also because uh, there was a time when President Trump tried to put together business councils, uh, uh, advisory councils of business leaders, and they were disbanded in part because the president, the way he handled the Charlottesville white supremacy uh, situation, a lot of those leaders said they were not comfortable being associated with the president, and the president ultimately disbanded his advisory councils. And all throughout that process, Boeing has been a sort of a rock-solid supporter and, and a closely involved business corporate partner of the Trump administration on a number of different fronts. So what what changed between Tuesday and Wednesday for Boeing and the FAA and ultimately President Trump? Well, according to the FAA, and they're still putting out information, they said that they got new information. There were some discussions with the Canadian government, which made its decision on Wednesday morning to ground the planes after several other countries had done so. They said they had received new information that sort of provided a link between what happened on Sunday with Ethiopian Airlines crash and what happened back in October with a similar crash in Indonesia. And they believe that because there seemed to be some similarities between those two crashes, which both involved the Boeing 737 MAX 8 plane, that there was a need to sort of do further uh, investigation and at least for the time being put those planes, keep those planes on the ground. And President Trump said that he was on the phone with the Boeing CEO and with other airline CEOs. And I think by Wednesday with Canada making its decision and the U.S. really being the only major country to not ground those planes, it sort of seemed to be an untenable situation for the Trump administration. And they ultimately made the decision to ground the planes. Okay, and let's talk about how that was announced. So President Trump ends up making this announcement, telling the country that he's going to issue an emergency order to to ground the planes. Is that unusual? According to industry experts that I talked to, it is unusual for the president to not only make the announcement, but the way he made the announcement where he said, we and I thought it was the right thing to do, not, you know, my experts at the FAA made this decision. And the president, according to our reporting, did tell members of the FAA and top administration officials that he would cede the floor to them, allow them to make the decision. They went over the talking points about how he would sort of make an announcement that the FAA was about to make an announcement, but not actually make the announcement himself. And then when he got in front of the cameras, when he got in front of reporters, he blurted out the announcement. And uh, that was something that took a lot of industry watchers by surprise because it gave the impression that the president himself was making this decision, not the experts at the FAA who are sort of independent and involved in, you know, have the safety expertise to make that decision. Looking ahead, are there long-term consequences of the F- for the FAA and for Boeing even and for the U.S. government for making the choice not to ground the planes until Wednesday? Well, there are long-term consequences about how the FAA, which is normally seen as a global leader when it comes to airline safety and air travel safety, is in this situation seen as leading from behind or even just sort of following. 
we followed China, we followed the European Union, we followed a number of other countries that uh, normally look to the U.S. for global leadership when it comes to a number of different issues, but especially airline travel. And uh, in this case, it seemed like the U.S. was sort of behind the eight ball, and it took us a while to reach the decision, which is now the global consensus. And you have the haphazard way that it was announced with President Trump sort of saying, you know, I made this announcement, but I didn't need to make it. It was psychologically important, but maybe it wasn't actually necessary. So it didn't leave the U.S. looking like it was a global leader on the world stage. And that could have an impact over the long term, especially as these types of decisions are made in the future. And what about for Boeing? Might they face legal consequences? You can definitely expect uh, that there will be a number of legal challenges filed against Boeing, in part because of these two crashes that took place that led to the loss of hundreds of lives. And there will be a lot of questions and a lot of discovery about what Boeing knew and when it, when it knew uh, about potential problems with its system that led to sort of two similar crashes. And as part of that discovery, you might hear more about sort of what happened in these three sort of hairy days where the U.S. government was on the phone with the Boeing executives trying to figure out what to do. And we might learn more about sort of what was being said behind closed doors. And that could leave uh, Boeing or even uh, federal regulators up liable for potential damages or potential legal consequences, but we sort of have to wait and see to find out whether or not that takes place. All right. Last question for you. What do you expect to see from the president as this investigation continues to unfold? (laughs) I expect the unexpected with this president (laughs) always. Um, Wise. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, no one expected him to be tweeting about how planes have become too complex or to be saying behind closed doors that the Boeing 737 is a shoddy plane and that, you know, Boeing should go back to the 757. So right, I would, he said the 737 sucks. Right. right? Yeah, that was that was the quote <laughs> that, that we got. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if President Trump continued to play a leading role, continued to be on the phone with Boeing executives and other airline executives to play a role as a top decision maker when it comes to airline safety, which is not a role that we've seen presidents take in the past. The president said yesterday that he believed that Boeing would ultimately get it figured out. And he said that until they do, that the planes will be grounded. So it seems like this is a, at least for now, it's a temporary decision, but it could be sort of a decision that the president is making until further notice. And he could be lobbied once more by Boeing to ensure that the planes are actually safe and to play another leading role when it comes to lifting this ban and, and sort of allowing the planes to fly again. But we'll have to wait and see how active the president is in terms of his involvement in uh, deciding what to do next and whether he allows the FAA to to take its leading role or whether he once again sort of uh, inserts himself into the process of deciding whether or not to allow Boeing to fly these planes once again. All right, Tully, we'll stay tuned. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? As always, if you liked it, share it wherever you share things, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks so much for listening. Can He Do That? is a team ever here at The Post. It's produced by the intrepid Carol Alderman, with design help from Kat Rudell-Brooks, logo art from Loren Boglio, and theme music by Ted Muldoon.
If you like Can He Do That, you should check out some of our other great podcasts, like Post Reports. Every afternoon, host Martine Powers brings you the unparalleled reporting and analysis you expect from the Post Newsroom in our newest daily podcast. Or try Retropod, a daily show for history lovers featuring surprising stories about the past, rediscovered. You can find these shows anywhere you listen to podcasts and learn more online at WashingtonPost.com slash podcast. The Washington 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 Post. Post.